Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Lounge and Scaife make it three from three. Been a big effort from the team all through this year. Hey, our race is pretty much over from the start. Scaife strategically whacked our door handle. That's all right. You know, revenge, uh, revenge sucks. And uh, we'll fire it back uh, very shortly. <laughs> Charlie looks at a return. Still love the sport and there's lots I can put together and I've got lots to offer and all that. And what's going on at Kelly Racing? Uh, my car in the last race was fantastic. It's probably the best race car I've ever driven. And it looked after the tyres well and I could pass people quite easily. And, you know, it was, it was really, really, really good job by my engineer to set the car properly and, you know, it was fantastic. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Lowndes and Scaife have the perfect weekend, taking out their second successive L&H 500. It's been a big effort from the team all through this year. It's not just this, just this weekend. It's uh, really the team have uh, presented both cars immaculately. They're reliable, they're fast, and both Jamie and I have, have had uh, some great success. And to get it in perspective, to any time in this series, the series is so competitive and at such a high level, to have a 1-2 at any stage is an unbelievable achievement and uh, obviously the team's operating very well. Andrew Thompson talked about the early laps of the race when Scaife got right into his side. <laughs> um, well, we got a bit of a talking to before we started the race and uh, Adrian was looking at me the whole time. So, uh, you know, uh, it was just, just one of those things, I think. You know, Scaife got a bit of a nudge from behind uh, in the hairpin and, and, you know, it was just the worst point in the door to hit and he got it. We had to have everything go right to, uh, you know, to beat them. And, uh, you know, they were really strong uh, all, all weekend. Jamie Winkup knew he didn't have the speed to take on his teammates last weekend. Uh, hey, overall, uh, we, we're happy with our day. As, uh, as these boys have said, a, a one-two in any race is, uh, is a great result. And um, to do it at such a big event like Phillip Island is, uh, is even more special. Will Davison and Luke Yulden were thrilled to finish off a solid weekend on the podium. Um, yeah, uh, probably nearly. Uh, you never say never, and you never give up till the fat lady sings, as they say. So uh, I just kept trucking on. I knew my only strength was later in the stints, and I really concentrated all day. We didn't have the outright speed or balance in those first stages of the stints, so I just concentrated on keeping cool and 
driving the car straight and seeing if some people could come back to me late in the stints. Nick Perkett had a shaky start to the 500 but stormed through the field to hand over the car to Garth Tander in a solid position. Uh, got over it pretty quickly and drove from the back to the front so that's all we can say. Car's good and uh, Garth's in a good position now to bring home a good result. Jason Barguana was also able to storm through the field early. Our strategy was to for me to start and see if we can make our way through some of the co-drivers and that sort of worked really in our favour. We got up to about P8, I think it was, before um, all the pit stops started. So, yeah, it was, it was a really good way to... We had a bad run yesterday, and obviously uh, the car wasn't as good as what it was on Friday. So we got the car back again, really happy, you know. I mean, we had a bit of a stuff up with a set of tyres there, which hurt our last stint, but, you know, we were in the, in the battle. Tim Slade could not get the speed from his car in the race, and he was not sure where the problem lay. Obviously, we just need to knuckle down and, um, and you know, bang our heads together and, and work out sort of what went on and, um, you know, focus all our energy and uh, making it happen at Bathurst. And that, what area, I'm, I'm not, not quite sure. <laughs> James Moffat said there was no inclination leading into the weekend that the Jim Beam Racing team would struggle. Yeah, certainly we didn't have any indicators uh, heading into the weekend that we were going to, to struggle, clearly, for, for both cars to be a long way off the pace all weekend. There was uh, obviously something fundamentally wrong with the cars. But finally, the barnstorming run of Shane Van Gisbergen brought the crowd to its feet. But it wasn't only the tyres that cost him the chance of victory. Gave it all I had there. We had a niggling engine misfire all race, so that was a bit frustrating. But, you know, we drove through that. It didn't cost us too much, obviously. But, um, um, yeah, at the end there, I was running down Craig. Probably wouldn't have caught him, but, um, yeah, I gave it, gave it as much as I could. And then probably a bit too much, and the right front started... Uh, going away I could hear it delaminating and making all these noises so tried to save it be nice to it and get to the end but it just got worse and worse and we couldn't hold position. Dave Reynolds certainly made a name for himself once again at the Friday press conference but speculation on his future continued all weekend. The V8 insiders spoke to him post-race. You know, nothing, nothing changes my life still focus on, focuses on the next race and the next race coming up to the next one practiced and you know looking forward to going there. Got you know, I've got a lot of Bathurst champions in my team, so it's good to have people like that mm. in our team. Now, you had a lot of racing this weekend, and you talk about your team. What does it mean to finish ahead of all your teammates? Oh, it's great. It's really, really good to finish in front of Rick, Todd, and, and Murph. Um, you know, I'm the young undergo- underdog, and I've, you know, I passed, I, Rick passed me in the second last hit, and I got him back, and um, sorry, in the last in, he passed me early and it looked like he was trying really hard and I sort of conserved my, my tyres and got a bit smarter about it and pegged him back and looked after my car and pegged him back and eventually my car was miles better than him and I passed him and drove away from him. Lee Holsworth is another driver who is tipped to make the move next year. He told the V8 Insiders that he has made up his mind on what he wants to do. You know, I've made my mind up and, um, and that's set in stone, so... Um, yeah, I... Pardon the pun. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, um, you know, I just want to get a good result at Bathurst. We, we never really... Um, we haven't had really strong cars here at Phillip Island in the past, so, um, you know, just to get a result and get some points on the board uh, is, you know, I suppose if you see a positive in it, that's the positive, and, um, and now we look forward to Bathurst, and we know we've got a pretty quick car up there, so hopefully we've got the same this year. This week, V8 Supercars have confirmed they will return to Simmons Plains until at least 2014.
Dave Russell has been named by Paul Morris as a major contender to join the main game ranks and potentially to replace Russell Ingle at Paul Morris Motorsport. David is circumspect about his future. It's, it's good to have good to have some teams talking and, and uh, obviously there's a few seats available for next year so um, the plan is to fill one of those seats and do it successfully. Um. You can hear more from David next week when we have a special edition of Wrestling with David. After the break, James Moffat talks about his toughest weekend so far as his rookie year continues. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. James Moffat joins us on the line. And James, uh, you've gone from probably the ecstasy to the agony over the last two rounds with a really tough run down there at Phillip Island. Yeah, you're not wrong, Craig. It was um, definitely a difficult weekend for everybody at Jim Beam Racing. Um, that's for sure, obviously. Um, yeah, we uh, we clearly struggled all weekend, not just with my car, but with Steve's um, car as well. So, uh, yeah, from a, from a team point of view, it was a bitterly disappointing weekend. Obviously, uh, first in the endurance races, and we were um, I know we were both uh, both cars were were feeling confident going into the weekend that we could have a strong result, but um, yeah, that didn't it didn't eventuate for us, and uh, definitely not where we uh, where we wanted to finish. But um, you know, we've got a great bunch of guys behind us, and um, I'm sure, or well, I know that they'll be doing everything they can to um, get on top of the issues that we had at Phillip Island and make sure that we don't have them at um, at Bathurst. Was there any indicator leading into the weekend that things weren't going to work out? Well, no, not really. Um, you know, tr- traditionally. Um, Phillip Island hasn't been a, a massively strong track for, for DJR, but having said that, um, the, the, their cars were reasonably competitive last year. They, they had a few dramas in, in the in the main race um, that led to uh, probably not not the, the team not getting the results that uh, they probably should have last year. But yeah, certainly we didn't have any indicators he- uh, heading into the weekend that we were going to to struggle struggle that bad and, and clearly for, for both cars to be um, a long way off the pace all weekend there was uh, obviously something fundamentally wrong with the cars that uh, unfortunately we couldn't get on top of during the weekend and like I said uh, I know that um, all our engineers and, and guys back at, at work um, at the workshop will be doing everything they can to make sure that uh, we don't have another result like that um, for the rest of the year For you you actually beat Stephen in the race, so you can only beat your teammate is one of the sayings because you've got identical gear. But this is the second time you've gone into Enduros and had a tough run. Does that knock your confidence around? 
Oh, look, yes, certainly for us, um, you know, the car wasn't responding um, very well to changes throughout the weekend, and, and clearly the, the setup that we went with um, wasn't a, a competitive package either. So, um, having said that, you know, we uh, we were trucking along okay in the race. Um, had it not been for a contact with um, Dale Wood, who um, hit me um, hit me off with about four laps to go, we probably uh, would have salvaged around a 17th or 18th uh, finish. Still nowhere near where we, we wanted to to obviously be, but. Um, Finishing 25th and 26th for both cars um, wasn't representative of, I think, truly where we are. Steve got turned around um, about two-thirds um, into the race as well. So um, we definitely genuinely weren't 25th and 26th in terms of speed, but um, we certainly weren't um, in a position to contend for the race win. So uh, where a few other things go, um, go wrong in the pits that um, cost us a bit of time. So... Look, in terms of confidence, it, it obviously uh, wasn't a, a great result for myself or all the team, but um, all we can do is, is put it behind us and, and put our heads down and, and look uh, look forward to Bathurst. And I'm, uh, I'm confident going, going to Bathurst that the team will, will turn things around and that we'll have uh, two competitive Jim Beam Racing Falcons up on the mountain. Mm. Of course, this is the first time you've been to the Enduros as the lead driver. How much of a difference is that role? Oh, well, for me, I guess um, it was sort of just a, a little uh, a little comforting, in a way, just going into the Enduros this year, you know, having had the experience last year and, and having that, uh, you know, got that out of the way. So I sort of knew what to expect um, he- heading into Phillip Island this year in terms of uh, how to prepare myself for the race and, and all those sorts of things. So um, being the lead driver, obviously... Um, that uh, gives you know a little bit more responsibility to me in terms of uh, leading the direction in in, the, in terms of which way we go with the setup and, and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it, it was uh, from, from that point of view. There's no no really extra pressure. Uh, we try and treat it like we do every other round. It's just that um, we have a co-driver along um, along for the ride. Mm. Well, we wish you all the best and look forward to seeing you rebound and along with Stephen, of course, for the big one, the Bathurst 1000. Oh, we'll be back, Craig. Don't, don't worry about that. So uh, if we if we got our bad run out of the way and, and have a good one up at Bathurst, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure the team will be happy. Join me as John Bannon wraps up the weekend next on the V8 Insiders. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Joining us on the line is John Bannon from Auto Action. And John, well, an interesting Sandown 500. Scaife and Lounge take the victory, and, uh, well, they do it for the second year in a row. It was a very dominant performance, wasn't it, Craig? And when you look at just uh, how easy they did it in the end, I mean, Lowndes was brilliant at conserving 
his tyres and in the end the chasing pack like Van Gisbergen um, just, I just ran out of steam with, with their own tyre woes and it was just a very measured performance. Interesting to see how we had so many teams have such a shocker. It was at two ends of the spectrum, Triple Eight at one end and Shane Van Gisbergen but then you had his two teammates in Tim Slade and also Alex Davison having absolute disasters. And then, of course, you had the Jim Beam disaster. You had disasters up and down the uh, pit lane, in fact, more so than you had successes. Well, that's true, but I think it's more of a measure of just how good Triple Eight are at the moment. They're in a class of their own. Uh, in Formula One, you have three teams at the top. In V8 supercars at the moment, you have one team at the top, and that very much is Triple Eight. And it just goes to show how much experience counts as well. Craig Lowndes and Mark Scaife certainly aren't young guns by any stretch of the imagination, but they've done it time and time again at this level and at enduro events. They know how to get the job done, and it was just a really very good performance. Mm. Interesting, Nick Perkhat and Garth Tander. Perkhat having an absolute disaster, but showed some great car control and some great car speed throughout his stink to be able to drive the car back through the field. Oh, wasn't he quick? It was just, I guess, under the helmet, uh, he probably would have been a little frustrated, probably a little agitated at what went on on the start line, and he would have been very keen to prove a point. And he did. A lot of talk that there might be more cars at Walkinshaw Performance at the uh, start of 2012. Well, I guess it's that time of the year, isn't it, where all these different theories and and situations are coming out, where drivers are going to be. And if there was a, a fourth car at Walkinshaw next year, you'd think that uh, Nick Perkat pretty much have that that drive he's, he's done enough and he's shown what he can do in the development series as well and he's certainly a quick driver so uh, you, you'd think on the back of that if something like that was to take place that uh, there'd be a seat there for him mm. as i mentioned before there was a number of teams that had shockers and one of the most noticeable was jim beam racing but uh, as you'll as everyone heard in uh, James Moffat's spot with us a little bit a little while ago. He's still very confident that that was just an apparition. But gee, it's amazing, isn't it? Just how Phillip Island can just turn some teams on its ear. And the track, whilst one of the best in the country, has got so many variables. It's very hard to hit the sweet spot. Well, the interesting thing about Jim Bean Racing is that overall they've been very strong all year, uh, particularly Stephen Johnson and. Moff's done a good job in his first year uh, as he, I guess, comes to speed with with being a a main game V8 supercar driver. Uh, I'm sure in in time he'll he'll improve further. But uh, it was certainly a surprise. They were really off the pace from the very beginning of the weekend in the practice sessions. And and, uh, that translated, unfortunately for them, into their their race form. So I guess a bit of soul-searching there before Bathurst. It's time for Gas and Go here on the V8 Insiders. Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Gas and Go brought to you by V8X Magazine. On sale now with, the well, Stephen Johnson on the cover. Harry Kuehl, he's grabbing some of the Ford money, but will all the Ford teams be receiving some of that money when the New Year deals are announced? It brings a... 
another big name in, into the sport. And although Harry Kuehl overall has nothing to do with cars because he's a he's a footballer, uh, everyone in Australia know who's who Harry Kuehl is. So I think the idea there, of course, is is once again his market marketability and uh, bringing. Uh, celebrity into the, the sport uh, in the hope perhaps to, to pinch some of the, the soccer football market fans perhaps mm. well Morris has had his 150th start how many more do you think the dude will actually have well he'll certainly be doing Bathurst you'd, you'd think at the uh, at the next round and uh, who knows about next year I guess it will depend as to whether uh, he continues to own uh, his team next year, and and therefore whether you know it's up to him whether he likes to drive or not. Yeah. If he still feels he can do the job, then he'll be there in years to come. Bullis is moving from the Touring Car Master Series to the Fujitsu Series. I thought people retired to the Touring Car Master Series. I've spoken to Gavin previously, and he's always said he wants to to be a, a Fujitsu Series driver, and obviously. Uh, He's not a young gun by any means, but he's shown the touring car masters that he's a very quick driver. He's up against, as you're aware, uh, Jim Richards, John Bauer, Andrew Medici, Glenn Seaton, some big names, uh, certainly Australian touring car heroes. And to be beating them like he has done in previous years uh, shows that you know, perhaps he's capable of doing doing this uh, Fujitsu series right at Bathurst, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see how he goes. If, he, if he's good enough, we might see him full-time next year. Mm. Of course, we've had the good news this week that Tasmania has got three more years and will be racing there this year and, and then until 2014. That is one thing that the Australian fans will uh, get to enjoy considering the expansion overseas continues on? Not only Australian fans, but I think Tasmanian fans in particular will be thrilled by that. I know at Auto Action we've had a lot of mail coming into the office uh, about a lot of disgruntled people from Tasmania and uh, their disappointment at at losing uh, their race. But looks like Either V8 supercars have got enough hate mail about that or or I guess a bit of um, logic has prevailed and uh, we now have a, another race in Australia and at a permanent circuit as well. So I think that's good to see. Interestingly, Tony Cochran has told the drivers that they've got to fire up more in front of the media. Do you think they've taken any notice yet? <laughs> well, unless you're David Reynolds, uh, probably not. But I think that's the thing. Personalities are stifled uh, in V8 supercars. That's very obvious. And I think a lot of it has to do with what, what they're told they, they are and not allowed to say. And, and David Reynolds just is himself. And it's so refreshing. He, if you're at the, the press conference after Friday practice, uh, Chris Drew was asking him a, a few questions. And uh, David just said what was on his mind. And he said it in a, in a very funny way. I think he'd make... Uh, an equally good comedian as he would a racing car driver, and he's very good at that as well. So I'd like to see more people like David Reynolds in the main game actually bring out their personality, say something controversial, uh, crack a joke, crack a smile. Uh, I think it would make a, a lot of difference to how the sport is publicised. Mm. Journalists can only write uh, what 
what drivers say. We, we can't make it up. So if, you, if people say something a bit more controversial, then it gets people interested. It does indeed. That's Gas and Go for another week, brought to you by V8X Magazine. Gas and Go is brought to you by the V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. After the break, John Bannon returns here on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Well, John Bannon from Auto Action joining us here on the V8 Insiders. And, uh, well, interesting, we're going into that silly season period as we talked about earlier, John. And I've got to ask you, what do you think the value of a V8 supercar license is in this post-Archer, in this post-Archer V8 supercar world? And who do you think is going to test the market first? Oh boy, Craig, it's a it's a big question, and and to be honest, if I'm brutally honest, I, I have no idea. Uh, I think, obviously, th- these race, racing entitlement contracts are, are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, if not pushing beyond that these days. And I guess it's just a matter of people with money. I mean, you might see something a bit like in English football, where you get people that perhaps don't have a racing pedigree, but have got plenty of money. Uh, to throw at a team and, and then get someone in there to uh, to run it for them. Who, who knows? It's one possible scenario. Uh, but, you know, then you can have uh, people like, like Roland Dane who, who may uh, purchase uh, contracts from, from other uh, other people in the series and, and you might have more than just two Triple Eight cars. Mm-hmm. There were two obvious things that come to mind. For me, what do you think? Well, I thought... I thought before the weekend that a license would be about three or four hundred thousand dollars now, remembering that they were they were well over one million dollars before the sale, but the revenue to the teams has come back so much and now I'm speaking to and in fact you'll hear from Charlie Swerkolt after the break in the white flag lap and he pitches the value of a license still at the same price even though their return on investment through V8 Supercars, who, as Tony has always said, V8 Supercars has always been the biggest sponsor of the teams in the series. But uh, he's saying that the, the price hasn't moved, and if if uh, I knew of anyone that wanted to sell it for three, four, or even $600,000 to uh, get him to talk to him. Well, that, that doesn't surprise me, to be honest. It, it's just, I guess, the, the, the way the financial... Uh, markets are, you know, they're, they're not they're not cheap, and I can see what see what you're saying about uh, them the contracts reducing in value, but it, it doesn't surprise me that they're sort of evened out as well. Yeah, well, Brad Jones said to me as well that he thought they were still at the same price, uh, and both of them agree it's because there's only 28 of them. It's not as if they're going to be minting any more contracts in the near future anyway. One good thing that I think a lot of fans will like the sound of, though, John, is the Sandown 500 could be returning. 
What's your thoughts? I know that you uh, uh, haven't had the chance to see a Sandown 500 previously. No, I, I think it's probably a, a good thing. You made a, a good point to me off air, Craig, in that it takes uh, sort of away from the scenario at the moment with the footy finals in Melbourne. Phillip Island's a long way to, to travel for people living in the centre of, of Melbourne uh, and, you know, puts them at risk at, at missing their, their favourite team uh, play on the weekend. I know this is probably not a massive consideration, but you've got to take into account that often sports fans are, are fans of a variety of sports and uh, and having it in you know closer to the centre of Melbourne certainly makes it accessible uh, to more people. And, and the other factor here is, although Phillip Island is a great circuit for the drivers... Uh, it doesn't seem to produce exciting endurance racing. Uh, as good as the win was for, for Lowndes and Scaife on the, on the weekend, uh, they really had to stretch things out to pull out the wildlife to get a safety car happening. So uh, <laughs> I think that, yeah, variety is the spice of life and it'll be interesting to see if it draws a bigger crowd having it back at Sandown. Mm, it is going to be interesting times ahead, but Sandown certainly has got the history and pedigree of a 500-kilometre race. And, uh, well, time will tell. John Bannon, thank you very much for your time this evening. Thanks for having me, Craig. The White Flag Lap is up next here on the V8 Insiders. After the break, you hear from the former owner or former part owner of Jim Beam Racing, Charlie Swarkholt. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Charlie Swerkold has had a year away from the cut and thrust of V8 Supercars. We caught up with him at the 500 last weekend to find out if he has been bitten by the V8 bug again. I have. Look, um, it's, I've been to nearly every meeting. I've missed Abu Dhabi and, and one other, Winton, I think, but otherwise been to every meeting. I look around, see what everyone's doing, and, and um, yeah, just taking it all in. Of course, uh, a very successful businessman in your own field. Oh, thank you. You yes. also have uh, managed to pick up another great windfall with the sale of V8 supercars, you, you still being a licence holder, of course. Yeah, no, uh, something that that came out of the blue, sort of, and, and it's an amazing thing. I think it's great for the sport. It's it's going to be a good thing. So it was a good windfall, yes. Very, very happy about that. Now that uh, the percentage of ownership has changed, does that mean the value of the licence has significantly dropped, do you think? Look, I don't think so. There's, you know, there's, there's a couple of little rumours up and down pit lane that someone might be interested in selling and they're asking more money for the licence. So I don't think so. They're, they're a wanted commodity. There's only 28 of them. They're not making any more. So I think they'll stay steady or even go up, even though our appearance money's dropped a little bit. But uh, no, I think they're a wanted thing. So... So you would suggest they're still around the one million dollar mark for a license? No, more than that. I'm saying they're two million. Okay. So they're, they're, I, I, I'm thinking they're two million plus. If you can find for one for one million, I might even go and buy it. Now, a lot of the scuttlebutt is that perhaps your license might move to a, a different configuration. Is that on the cards for 2012? 
No, no, it's staying with DJR. I've done a, a new deal, leased it back to them for the whole year. It wasn't... Uh, Look, I didn't think it was worth going racing again, buying all new stuff or equipment for one year only, and then, of course, we changed the car of the future. So I've done a deal with DJR, licences leased there for a whole year. And so then 2013, when you see everything about the car of the future, that might be your re-entry point? Yeah, look, I think so. Um, you can only lease a licence for a certain period, which is two years maximum. So, so I've got to either sell my licence or do something with it or race for 2013, which um, obviously I'd like to go and race again. Now, you had uh, an interesting time with DJR. Has your feelings changed over last year? Because, let's face it, you were part of the championship driver winning team. Yeah, look, what we put together there, the right people, the whole thing, um, it was an amazing amazing situation for the end of 2010. um, So... It was a lot of turmoil and all that sort of stuff, but I still love the sport, and there's lots I can put together, and I've got lots to offer and all that sort of stuff, so, yeah, no, it's all right. When we see the current silly season of driver movements and, and things going on in the uh, in the background, like rumours on your licence and speculation like that, being now a very interested casual observer, do you enjoy hearing all that scuttlebutt and uh, not being in the thrust of it as you were? Yeah, no, it's, it is really, really interesting because as I was involved in it when other drivers are changing and all that, to see the talk and all that and, and some of the moves and I try and get ahead of some of the moves just for interest and who's there and who's what and, and whose contracts are up. I sort of know where all the drivers' contracts are, sort of, so just to see where it all goes. And, yeah, no, it's very, very interesting to look back and it's, it's good to watch. Important knowledge to have if you uh, may have a team in 2013. That's right. So you've... You've got to be well informed these days, and, and uh, yeah, so I think I am, and, and just look to see what's going on. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. My thanks to John Bannon, James Moffat, and Charlie Swalcold there as the checker flag waves on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.